Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all here. We've had a really busy weekend um, with Alpine. So Friday night, we had our worship night at Riverdale, um, combined with our Spanish-speaking Latinos. So that was real exciting and fun. And then Yesterday we had the car show. Many of you probably also visited there. So it's been a busy weekend. And now we get to get back into the book of Mark. Um, and so that's where we are today. And today we're going to be looking at anything is possible. And we find that in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, it would be great to do so. Or if you have your app and want to Go there, that would be great, and follow along as we look into this scripture together. Um, how many of you have ever found yourself in what feels like an impossible situation? I think most of us, right? Now, I'm not talking about an impossible situa situation like winning a golf tournament when you're really bad like me. Um, they would all have to get really sick and withdraw from the tournament in order for me to, to win a golf tournament. Nor am I talking about winning a cooking contest if you've never, ever made a meal. We're not talking about that. And really, those things are not impossible. Those things are actually possible. I could become a great golfer. I could become a great chef if I decided to spend time and spend resources to make me such. In fact, don't tell anybody, but if I decided that I wanted to be a great golfer, I know I could beat Brian, Pastor Brian in golf. No, it's a, it's a proven fact because we play racquetball, or we have played racquetball in the past, and he used to beat me, and then I beat him. So I know, I know. But if I just took the time, I could beat him in golf too. But I'm, I don't have the time, and he needs to win in something, so <laughs> let Brian think he's really good in golf. But to be honest, those things, like I said, are not impossible. What is truly impossible are those situations that are outside of our power, our ability, our control to change that we find ourselves in. And maybe it's an impossible situation with one of your children. Perhaps you're estranged from them or your parent. Maybe it's an impossible situation with your family. Perhaps your family has rejected your faith and caused a great strain in your relationship. Maybe it's an impossible situation with your finances, medical bills that weren't expected, repair bills, your income's just not keeping up with the cost of living. Maybe it's an impossible situation with a relationship. Whatever it is, you find yourself in this situation and there's no way to fix it. And for some of you, that impossible situation has been happening for a long period of time. 
And if that is not enough, typically, it seems that with our impossibilities, there's something else that comes along with it. And usually what comes along with it is conflict. There always seems to be different people having different explanations of what you should do to solve your impossible situation, but none of those things really matter because it's still an impossible situation. And this is exactly what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a man that found himself in an impossible situation for many years with a son, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in conflict. So let's take a look at this together, if I go the right way. So Mark, starting with Mark, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, and this is Jesus coming back down, if you heard last week, transfiguration, so he was up there with Peter, James, and John, so he's coming back down. So when he returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is this all about that you're arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whatever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. We're going to skip over a verse. We'll come back to it. Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? And the boy's father replied, since he was a little boy. Can you imagine that? This man had no power, no ability, no control over this situation. He found himself with a child that couldn't speak, couldn't hear, often found himself in uncontrollable seizures, literally being thrown into the fire and into water. Devastating. Our impossible situation is often like that. It's devastating to us. It appears that this man sought out Jesus, but when he went to seek out Jesus. Jesus wasn't there, and he found his disciples and some of the religious leaders. And I'm sure that this wasn't the man's first step that he took. Now, this situation with his son probably was over a course of many years. It says that when he was a little boy, this is when it began. So it wasn't like it was always that way. At some point in time, this began to happen to this little boy, and it continued to happen until now he's a child. So we're probably talking five, six, maybe even 
a decade. So I'm sure this man has tried other remedies because nothing that he could do was going to work. And we find the same thing in our culture today. We try other things, whether it is finding answers in astrology, getting in touch with our inner being, even seeking out those religious healers. But nothing has changed over the centuries. It's just been packaged differently. Or we go in the other direction and give into familiar addictions in order to cope with what our impossible situation is. And maybe this man even knew these religious leaders because maybe at some time before he had gone to them asking for help and they were unable to help. Regardless, he shows up with hope that Jesus will be able to remove this evil spirit from his son. But Jesus is not there, so he asks the disciples, can you do this for me? And the result is he doesn't get anything from his disciples other than finding himself in the midst of a conflict between the disciples and the religious leaders. And we're not given a lot of detail about what that conflict was. We're not shown exactly what they were debating, but you could assume that the religious leaders were trashing the disciples. These nine disciples weren't scholars, and those religious leaders were. And I'm sure they enjoyed every second they had with them in front of this big crowd. And I'm sure the conversation had to do with why the disciples weren't able to cast this evil spirit out. They probably, maybe to some extent, were mocking the disciples and explaining to them that they didn't have the authority to do it. They weren't doing it the right way. How could they think that they were going to do it? The custom of the day was to know the name of the spirit before you cast it out. And obviously, you couldn't ask the child what the name was because he was unable to speak. Maybe they were having a debate on whether or not it was really an evil spirit or whether they just needed medical attention for this young boy. But whatever the debate was, and whatever the conflict was, it wasn't going to change the impossible to possible. So often, in our impossibilities, we just want to leave the room, don't we? All these people telling us what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but it isn't going to change the impossible. And not only was the conflict occurring with the disciples and religious leaders, but there was even a greater conflict that was taking place at this time. And that conflict was between good and evil. That conflict was a heavenly realm conflict and battle that was taking place. This may be true in your situation too. We may have a practical, physical, impossible situation, but behind it, there may be some spiritual 
conflict that is going along with it. The enemy wants to keep you in your situation. He wants you to be defeated. He wants to keep control over that situation in your life. John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Think about your impossible situation and how this may apply. Impossible situations often include both the physical and a spiritual conflict. Well, the disciples weren't any help to this man. And I'm sure he was ready to leave that conflict behind. He had had enough. So he probably was ready to go. And right at the last minute, when everything looks completely lost, Jesus shows up with Peter, James, and John. And it says in Scripture that they were, the crowd was overwhelmed with awe. In another translation, it talks about that they were amazed. Well, there's probably two reasons that they were so in awe. One of them may have been just the timing. I mean, here we are. Things are going downhill fast. Nothing's working out. The disciples are taking a hit. The conflict is imploding on itself. And then Jesus shows up right at the right moment in time. It may also have been due to the fact that maybe Jesus was glowing just a little bit. Um, just was at the transfiguration, just coming down. And then we learned last week that his clothes were radiant and his face shined like the sun. If you remember back in the Old Testament, Moses, when he received the tablets, when he came down, he, his face was radiant and he had to veil it. It's interesting, this correlation right here between Moses coming down and Jesus coming down. They both came down to a mess. <laughs> things, things weren't going the way they should have been going. But either way, I'm sure that the man was very glad that Jesus showed up on the scene. So continuing on in our passage, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Not trying to make a point out of every single word in this passage, but we can't overlook this. Because the truth is that very often, in our, in our impossible situations, when we come to Jesus, they often get worse initially. I mean, think about it. This takes place, you're a father, you might say, that's enough, I'm out of here. I have no doubt that there are many individuals that have come to the point of meeting Jesus, but then disappear with their impossibility in hand because things got harder initially. Moving on. 
The Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. You can feel that this man is at the end of his rope, can't you? You can just, you can just feel it. He has little hope, and the hope that he has is really filled with doubt. I mean, at this point in time, he's not even asking Jesus what he initially was asking for. Now he's just saying, if you can do anything, please do, do something, if you can. He was hopeless. What's Jesus' response to this? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, what Jesus is saying here is that the question is not whether or not I can accomplish the impossible. I can accomplish the impossible. The question is, are you going to throw some skin into the game? You see, the man, up to this point, had been looking completely for somebody else to fix this issue. Maybe some people in the past, then he looked to the disciples, then he looked to Jesus, but he didn't see himself playing any part in it. But Jesus corrects that. And he says to him, you need to exercise some faith. If the impossible is going to be possible, yes, it's true that I can do it, but you need to exercise some faith. And the man points out to the fact, well, I don't have much faith. And Jesus is basically saying, that's okay. I'm not asking you to exercise faith you don't have. I'm asking you to exercise the faith that you do have. So two things were required. The first was to have faith in the object that can change the impossible to possible, which is Jesus. And the second is to have at least a mustard seed, just a tiny amount of faith that you exercise. You know, often those that are in an impossible situation focus on the first. We focus on what Jesus can do, but we don't focus on whether we're exercising any faith. So we end up complaining, Jesus isn't doing anything in this situation when we haven't done anything. Would Noah, when faced with the impossible situation of the flood and the wiping out of all mankind, have been saved without exercising faith in God? Would Abraham, faced with the impossible situation of sacrificing his son, lift the knife without exercising faith in God? Scripture tells us that he believed that God could raise his son from the dead. He was exercising faith. Would Moses, when faced with the impossible situation of crossing the Red Sea, 
been able to do it without exercising faith? Would Rahab, when faced with the impossible situation of helping the Jewish spies escape, have been able to do it without exercising faith? Would Joshua, when faced with the impossible situation of penetrating the walls of Jericho, seeing the walls tumble without exercising faith? Now, all of those things would have remained impossible situations. It was by faith, faith in Jesus, everything is possible. Why? Because Jesus is God, He's the Creator. He is able to do that which we are unable to do. He has the power. He has the ability. He has the authority to do the impossible when he chooses. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. Here we go again. <laughs> no faith. They're all, they're all thinking he's dead. They're not still exercising any faith. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. The right object with the right faith resulted in the healing, the impossible becoming possible. So we've learned a couple lessons so far as we've moved through this passage, but there's one additional lesson that we need to learn as we look at the verses that follow. It says, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, This kind be, can be cast out only by prayer. In the parallel passage in Matthew, it says it can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. I want to go back to Jesus' question to the man, how long has this been happening to your son? Why would Jesus ask that question? Didn't he know? He knew. Did he just want to gloat when he <laughs> sent the spirit away? No. He was teaching his disciples a lesson. How many know that the longer we have something, the more attached we get to it? Right? The bond gets bigger and it's harder to break. My wife has a car. That's 14 years. She's had this car for 14 years. She doesn't drive it. She always has another car. And if I were to ask her to get rid of that car that she's had for 14 years, it's a little car. I, I lose that battle. Now, if I asked her to 
get rid of the car she currently has with all the bells and whistles, I'd probably be able to win that fight. But I wouldn't win the fight with this car that sits there because it's hers. She's named it. <laughs> it's got a name, everything. She's not going to get rid of that car. I've become attached to this Bible. As you can see, it's pretty well used. Unfortunately, um, just this past month, my new husky got a hold of it and tore it up. What's really interesting about it is that this is no lie. It's just the truth. When you go through it, he ate, the places where he ate the most were Daniel and Ezekiel. And if you know Ezekiel, it says in Ezekiel, it talks about eating the scroll. <laughs> but I've become very attached to this, to this Bible. So you could have my truck that's sitting out there. You could probably even have my home. You definitely could have my husky. <laughs> but you're not getting this because I'm attached to it. I'm just kidding about my husky. I'm not giving up a spirit-filled dog. That, I'm not doing that. But by asking the question, how long, Jesus is showing that the evil spirits are no different when it comes to letting go and not letting them go of what they've attached themselves to. That child was theirs. It was their possession. They had no intention of letting him go. And Jesus was teaching his disciples that it was going to be a battle if you think you're going to take that child back. And if you're going to win that victory and win that battle, you have to have weapons that allow you to do so. And those weapons are prayer and fasting. Why prayer and fasting? What makes them so powerful? Well, they line us up with the one that has the possessions of all resources. The one that's all powerful. It opens heaven's armory. And there's no armory like that. So how does the impossible become possible? The right object, which is Jesus. And not just a man named Jesus, but the right Jesus. God incarnate, the Messiah, the creator of all things. Plus, the right faith. We must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Plus, the right weapons, prayer and fasting, equals all things are possible. I probably should end right there, but we have time. Tracy was really quick, so... Um, 
probably should end right there, but when I was studying this passage, those two questions that Jesus asked just kept coming back to my mind. The first question was, how long must I put up with you and your lack of faith? And the second question was, how long have the evil spirits been there? In other words, how long must I put up with your lack of faith? And how long must this child put up with this evil spirit? I don't think either one was necessary. I think that was Jesus' point. It makes me ponder, was the length of time that that evil spirit resided in that boy con equal to the length of time that no faith was exercised? You know, Jesus chastised the crowd, probably even his disciples, for lack of faith, for being an unbelieving generation. And I pray that we are not an unbelieving generation. I pray that we are not an unbelieving church. I pray that you are not an unbelieving believer. May we believe the impossible is possible, not only in our, our lives, but lives around us. May we have faith in who Jesus is and what he can accomplish. And then may our faith be consistent with that as we exercise it. At the beginning, I mentioned you know, have you ever faced an impossible situation? And I think most of you either raised your hand or gave a little smile recognizing that, yeah, that's me. We all face impossible situations. But we have a possible God. And we need to exercise faith in those situations. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. And they're possible because of who he is. Lord, I just pray that, I just pray for each and every one of us here today that has an impossible situation in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that your hand would intervene Their power would be upon each of these individuals.
I pray that the possible would come out of the impossible because of our faith in you and our trust in you. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same God that healed that boy. May you heal us today. In Jesus' name.